was, it was a small school back then. Uh, it was James Madison University. And I went to James Madison, and I got connected to the Ministry of Young Life and became a Young Life leader, and they placed me at Wilson Memorial High School when I was in college. And I remember one Easter weekend, I didn't really want to go up home for a quick turnaround, and you know, my family doesn't really celebrate Easter. And so um, the area director at the time, Dave Blanco, some of you might know him, he used to go to Tabernacle as well. He said, hey, come down, uh, go to church with me, and uh, we're going to do like an Easter brunch afterwards. And so I remember coming down and enjoying the service, and I don't know whose house we were at. We were at someone's house. They, invited, they, they welcomed anyone who didn't have a place. And I, I loved it. And I, I guess I put that in the back of my head because when I was accepted to go on the Young Life staff, they put me here in Augusta County. And I was placed at the rival school, Stewart Draft High School. And I thought, where else would I want to go to church while I'm here? The Tabernacle. And, um, and of course, this is when I was single. And then, you know, I met my wife. She was uh, living in Culpeper at the time. And uh, you know, we got married and we moved down, you know, we moved, we stayed here in Stewart's Draft, and, you know, she was looking for a job, and at the time, the administrative assistant position was open, and, and she had a lot of administrative background, and that's what she wanted to do, and so she worked here for a season, and, um, and then, yeah, we, we moved on, and somehow we ended up uh, back in Virginia, uh, in Rockbridge County, and I found my and I remember now, I think back to it, the one person that always said, Dom, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And that was Essen. And he always jokes now, he's like, you didn't give me a chance to match your offer down in Rockbridge County? And I was like, sorry. But uh, like, uh, and uh, I was very honored that he would even ask me to, to speak today. Now, it's always kind of uh, funny because I feel like the passage that we're about to go into I'm like, oh, thanks. I get the tougher passage when the lead pastor leaves, but uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, so to give you a little bit of background, I have a picture of my family. Uh, where are they? Yeah, there they are. So that's Jamie, and that's my son Paxton. He's two and a half, and um, just to make sure you uh, understand, there, I was part of Stewart's Draft. I have a couple of pictures from our young life back then. It uh, feels very long ago, 2013 or whatever. Um, and kind of to give you kind of a, a backdrop where we're going, uh, I want to talk about my son. I don't know if you know much about a two-and-a-half-year-old. He's, he's wonderful. And that's my caveat. Like, he, look at that. He's, we're, we're listening to some music together uh, right after going to the Y. So exciting. Uh, but then the next picture you'll see here. Okay, so this is my son. He's wearing his pajamas at not in the morning. And that's the first thing. And then secondly, he's wearing a fedora, I believe, right now, if that's the technical term for it. I don't think those go together, but that's, that was his decision. He wanted to do that. And I don't know if any of you have a two-year-old or have had a two-year-old or have heard about a two-year-old. Um, there's a lot of things that they like to say. Uh, here are the three things that I've noticed my son will say a lot. Uh, he'll, he'll kind of he doesn't really audibly say this, but he'll kind of say, I I'll do it by myself. I I'll do it myself. If I want him to do something differently, he'll be like, I'll do it myself. Or it kind of turns into what I would say is Woody from Toy Story. Uh, yeah, he's just, just laying on, he just like drops to the ground, does it like, like, like kind of like a, 
I don't know, like a dead body of sorts, just kind of like there, is like, all right. And he doesn't say anything, he doesn't cry, and then he looks up to see if I'm responding to him because I wouldn't let him do it the way he wanted to do. So that's the first thing. Yeah, you can take that off. And then the second thing he does, says, and you might, not, you might guess this, is no. But it's not just no, it's no, 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 no. And, you know, he, he, doesn't, he wants to disagree with how I want to do something, you know, how we're doing so, something. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, and then the final one, my favorite one, it's been very recent right now, is my. My, 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 my hat, my dog, my car, my, my dad, everything is my, my, my. You know, Jamie and I joke that it's Jamie's car is not her car. Texas says, my car. And he apparently owns a car now. I didn't know that. And uh, he gets very kind of possessive and everything is his. But here's the thing. Don't we all sometimes see, maybe not overtly like that, but don't we sometimes act like that ourselves or see a community acting like that? We divide. We say, oh, I'm going to do things by myself. We disagree and say, no, 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 no. What you're doing, I don't agree with that. I mean, it's okay. Healthy disagreement is okay, but uh, like overtly, just kind of like, I disagree with everyone else. Or we disregard. We say, no, this is all about me, 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 me. Become little me monsters. My, my, my. And Jesus speaks into those things. And so we are today in Mark 9, 38 to 41. If you would, uh, if you're willing to turn right there and please stand for the reading of God's word. John said to him, to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will no longer lose his reward. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for this morning that we get to know and have the opportunity to follow you. May we listen to this passage and see what you are speaking to us and the things that we try to walk away from you. Would you speak to us this morning and how we can do that in conjunction of this community as a church? Uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity I get to speak in front of my friends here at Tabernacle, and I pray that you would be with us this morning. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Maybe seated. So, Jesus speaks to the things that we kind of have trouble with, and he does kind of three things here uh, that I think we're going to see. You'll see that we'll talk about following on the side of Jesus, working in the name of Jesus, and belonging as siblings in the family of God. So the first part is where John says, right there, he says, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we try to stop them. And here's the key part. Because he was not following us. Very curious. He, he said, John said, he doesn't belong to our group. And it's curious that John would criticize this other man that was casting on demons because, not because he was not following Jesus, but because he was following us. In Luke 9.49, it 
it's a little nicer. It's kind of like a sister, uh, kind of same kind of passage. And it says that John said, because he does not follow with us. It's a little nicer, but still, it's not just Jesus, it's us, this group of people. And in John's defense, there's a little bit of, it's okay, you know, that he, he's very connected to Jesus, but on the other side, there's a possessive side to Jesus. And I think, too, like, post-resurrection, and, you know, when all these disciples were spreading the gospel, and they weren't known as Christians, they weren't known as followers of Christ, necessarily. This new community that was an offshoot from Judaism, it was called the Way. And uh, they were called the people of the way. And it always makes me think of John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we'll talk a little bit more about that passage. And so they are part of this, this group. But for whatever reason, this is pre-resurrection. Jesus, is, you know, John is talking about not just Jesus, he's talking about us. And he's getting very possessive of Jesus. And I think sometimes what happens for a lot of us is we... This is kind of a minor shift. We'll kind of move from thinking about Jesus the way. We think more about our way or Dom's way or, or my way or the highway. And our focus sometimes can become more on ourselves rather than on Jesus. And I think what, what's happening with John here, he's thinking more about that Jesus is on his side rather than that we're on Jesus' side. And so the key point here is when we think about our focus, our focus is not that Jesus is on our side. But that's important. The focus is not Jesus on our side. The focus is that we are on Jesus' side. A very small shift in our mentality and the choices we make. Because our, really we have a choice to, to think about here. And that is, what do, we, what do we choose? Are we choosing following Jesus? or are we, What else could we choose? And if you think about the context here, the previous passage I'm, I'm assuming you all were in, previously was when the disciples are talking about who is the greatest and they're having this 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 quarrel about that and I don't know about you I don't think uh, any of us would be like oh yeah I want to engage in that public debate about who's greatest we're not like hey during 10 o'clock during the discipleship hour we're all going to come whoever wants to discuss if they're the greatest let's do that like I don't think that happens right like no one's like oh I'm the greatest Uh, but for us it's probably a little bit more subtle we, uh, we can choose really between the name of Jesus or our name, our reputation. And we can either try to preserve our reputation or lift up the name of Jesus. And what our reputation can be, it can be a different things for all of us. It kind of, it can, we all have different things we kind of buy stock into. It could be personal ambition. It can be socioeconomic status or power or a title or uh, some form of competition, whatever it is, uh, we buy stock towards our reputation rather than in Jesus. But when we choose him, everything is shifted. Uh, now, I, I'm, I want to be careful. Like It's okay to think about being wise towards those without Jesus, towards the outsiders. We still have to be mindful of that. But our reputation and how we think about our reputation uh, some of these things we completely renounce or they're radically redefined. And so that then changes how we think about what we do and how we work and how we walk. Uh, and so the next piece is working in the name of Jesus. 
where Jesus responds to John in a very clear way. He says, do not stop, and for no one who does a mighty work in my name will, will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. So there's two parts here. There's Jesus saying, a mighty work in my name, and then will soon be able afterwards speak evil of me. So let's talk about Jesus saying, a mighty work in my name. Jesus is clarifying who is the source. And I think that John and the disciples often, you'll see it over and over again, they'll forget the source of their power. Later on, you'll, and you'll probably talk about it in a couple, uh, in, in a couple weeks or in different, and you'll see it at places, is where they're sent out, and they're sent out in his name. And then as our context of who is the greatest, they are still thinking about their power, not the source of their power. So an example would be for me is uh, a lamp or a light bulb. They're wonderful things, wonderful creations. But they are nothing without the source known as electricity. And so sometimes we get so focused on the light bulb, so focused on this creation we made, or this lamp, this beautiful lamp, but it's really not. Have you ever seen a lamp unplugged? <laughs> like, you know, like when you move into a house, it's just sitting there and hasn't been plugged in. It's not that great. <laughs> And sometimes we, get, we lift up the lamp more than we lift up the source. And sometimes we lift up ourselves more than we lift up Jesus and his name. And then he really goes to talking about, hey, no one who can do a mighty work in my name will altogether be my enemy. So what does that really look like? And I think Jesus then clarifies that with a statement. And this is the statement most people remember which is where he says, for the one who is not against us is for us. Jesus says that, and it's kind of like, what, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I don't know about you, for me, there's another place in Scripture where there's a similar statement, but it's a little, it's a little different, that I, I kind of come together. And that's in uh, Matthew 12.30 and Luke 11.23, where Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. Those are, those are very like stark statements. Whoever is not against us is for us, and whoever is not with me is against me. How do those kind of work together? How are they compatible? Well, in the passage we're in right now, his audience, his actual audience, not us, his actual intended audience for Jesus was his disciples. So he uses the pronoun us. He says, whoever is not against us is for us. He uses John's same word. Following us, he then uses it right back to John saying, well, whoever who is not against us is for us. Whereas in the other passage that I'm referring to in Luke and Matthew, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and they, uh, their conversation is about Jesus casting out demons, and they're like, how can you do this? You must, be from, you must be from Satan. And he says, and Jesus is kind of saying, no, why would Satan do that to himself? Why would Satan divide Satan? And he is speaking to the Pharisees in that very moment, and maybe to Satan as well. He's saying, whoever is not with me is against me. So those are very different kind of statements. And the way they, they, I think they really interact is Jesus, when he's saying, whoever is not with me is against me, he is very exclusive. Remember I said with John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is not saying, I am a way. I'm a truth, I'm a life. 
There is an exclusiveness to Jesus. There's a Christ-centeredness in the gospel. He's telling the Pharisees, get off the fence. I'm drawing a line in the sand. You've got to pick sides. You're either with me or you're against me. But then in this passage that we're in, you know, there's this very us versus them mentality with the disciples. And Jesus is saying, hold on. There are other tribes. Like, for us, there are other churches. There are other denominations. And that's okay. And there's, and there's people with different gifts. And that's okay. And there are other kinds of tribes out there. But we are not meant to be tribal competitors. And why does that really matter? Like, well, you know, like, we have to be careful about, like, we want to be inclusive, but we're also, you know, there is an unambiguous demand for a clear confession of Jesus. There is an exclusive sense to that, an inclusive sense to, hey, we don't exclude people from God's kingdom because they're not a part of a particular group um, or a particular church or a particular de- denomination. And that's something we have to really kind of be mindful of. Like, you know, for me, um, at Rockford Church and Tabernacle, like, they both are incredible things. And we get to partner together. And now I want to be careful also is there are some, some boundaries to be drawn. Like, if someone, if there is something out, a group out there that's denying the deity of Christ, if they're adding works to our justification, if they're advocating living that's complete opposition to God's commandments, okay, that's a problem. But we should be willing to work with those that are truly belong to Christ, even if they're not part of our particular group or congregation. And so then Jesus clarifies how we support. See, it's what he says at the end. He says, for truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink, because you belong to Christ, will by no means lose his reward. So practical. He's saying if you give even a cup of water, a cup of cold water to someone who belongs to Christ, there's value to that. It's not without worth. Like sometimes we forget that there are practical things we can do for each other in the family of God. Maybe it is quite literally handing out bottles of water but it can also look differently for all of us. I don't know what that practical looks for you. But I think the more important thing in how he's telling us to support, and I'm kind of touching on that, is um, I have this, this is, pains me to use this illustration, is uh, recently the Washington Nationals won the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I said, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. And yeah, there's a jersey. Hold on. We'll get there in a second. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, so a year ago, last winter, the Washington Nationals sent out, uh, said, we don't need this guy. His name is Bryce Harper. And the Philadelphia Phillies thought, oh, this is our final piece. We're going to give him a third of a billion dollars over the next 13 years. And then the Nationals proceed to win the World Series without him. They are not tied to one person. Uh, in fact, getting rid of that one person probably was a good thing. And the reason I bring up that that analogy is, now you can bring up the jersey now, is, so there's a blank jersey. Uh, I think the Nationals did not think about the name on the back. They thought more about the name on the front. So like, for instance, for us, the name on the back would be Rockford Church or Tabernacle Presbyterian. 
very important that like, we cannot deny the local body of church, uh, you know, local body of Christ, the church. But really, what's more important is what's on the front, not the Washington Nationals. It's Jesus. You know, we are called to lift up Jesus in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Rockbridge Church, not in the name of Tabernacle Presbyterian, or insert whatever church, or even get a little deeper with us, not in the name of Dom, or in the name of Essen, or put your name in there. We're called to lift up Jesus in the name of Jesus. And furthermore, we're called to be on mission uh, in Stanton, and Waynesboro, and Augusta County, and regionally, and nationally, and globally, in the name of Jesus. And what happens is, when, we, when our focus becomes the name on the front of the jersey, rather than the name on the back of the, on the back of the jersey, we are free to be siblings who love one another rather than striving against each other. I'll say that one more time. When, we, when our focus becomes the name on the front of the jersey, rather than the name on the back, we're freed to be siblings who love one another rather than striving against each other. So what does that look like? Well, when we belong as siblings in the family of God, there's some very incredible things that happen. Jesus said it about who, because we belong to Christ. Very, very like a nice, vivid imagery. And we are siblings then who do three things. We are siblings who complement. We are not siblings who divide or have division, but rather we're siblings who complement together. And I want to be very clear, there's still a place for the uniquely gifted individual. Uh, I love the idea of that we're members uh, of the body. You know, we're joined together, and all those body parts that are joined together, but we each have our own sp- place. You know, maybe you're the hand, maybe you're the mouth, maybe you're the eye, maybe you're the foot. But we're, our, we're fully functioning better as a body when we're joined together and we're complementing each other. And we're doing, we have our own, you know, our own kind of place in the world. But also, we also are siblings who collaborate. And we advance the gospel together. We're not siblings who disagree with each other all the time, but rather siblings who collaborate together. So what does that look like? Find other like-minded people in your local church and collaborate together. And maybe one step further, find other like-minded people in other churches and collaborate with them together. And then finally, let's be siblings who celebrate. We are not siblings who disregard each other, but rather we're siblings who celebrate together. You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, is this Tuesday is the Young Life Banquet, and I was, at, I was invited to come up. Uh, and mainly the reason was uh, the, they, they got a speaker, and his name is Will Hall. And he was one of these guys, that I, one of the first guys I met when I was at Wilson Memorial High School many years ago. And, you know, God grabbed a hold of his life, and he, you know, he really was able to internalize his, his faith. And, you know, he went on to, now he's on Young Life stuff up in Pennsylvania, and he's coming back down, and it's, I'm so excited to celebrate what, what Young Life is doing and is going to be doing and has done. And, you know, as a pastor, that's, you know, I, I don't have to be everything. <clears throat> you know, I, one of my roles at, at Rockford Church is student ministry, and I get to 
complement and collaborate and celebrate with Young Life in, in my area. It's, it's so exciting. And, I get this, and so I'm really excited about Tuesday and celebrating with them. And then I think for us also what celebrating looks like is to love one another. Uh, our, one, of my, one of the elders at our church, he, um, he's planted a bunch of churches all over the, over the country, and he's like a mentor to me. And he always uses uh, this, he makes a verb up called one anothering. And I think it's coming from John 13, 34, 35, where he says, Just as I loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. To celebrate each other, I think, is to love one another, to one another each other. Think about that. What does it look like to one another each other? <clears throat> and so, kind of as we wrap up, what I want you all to remember is when we are on the side of Jesus and when we're in the name of Jesus, it brings us together. We are joined together. It brings us together as siblings in the family of God. And so there we, therefore we can complement each other's gifts, collaborate for the sake of the gospel, and we can celebrate his glory rather than our own. So we are on his side. We cannot forget that. We are on his side. And we are living in his name, not our own. And we are siblings who complement, collaborate, and celebrate together. Don't forget that we are together. May we be unified together may, as the body of Christ. And may we walk in his name with confidence. Let me pray for us, and uh, we will go on to the next thing. Jesus, we, we come before you, and we are grateful that we don't have to walk in our name, that we get to walk in your name, and we can walk in confidence that you have chosen us to... Uh, to follow you and not to do it in the, alone. We're, we are not alone. We are together and we get to complement and collaborate and celebrate together, Lord. I pray that we would not think of you on our side, but rather we are on your side and that our focus would be on you and not on us and that we can lift each, we can lift each other up and point each other to you and we lift up you and in your name as we go forth uh, in advancing your gospel. Thank you for that reminder that you always point us to. We love you and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.